Everybody ready for some word today? All right, if you brought your Bible with you, go with me to the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. Imagine for a moment that you had a friend that was an expert in something that you use every day. I, I think of like, a, like an auto mechanic. And, and your very best friend on all, in all the earth was the best auto mechanic, knew everything about engines, everything about cars. He's the best one on the planet. And, and he's your friend. Uh, how many think that would have an impact on what level of peace you had about your vehicles? I mean, you know you've got on call at any given moment. You can call up your buddy. You call up your friend and say, hey, this is not working right or I need some help with this. There would be a level of comfort there, you know. Let's say, for example, I mean, you could use that in any field of expertise that you have need of on a regular basis. If you were close friends with with the foremost um, authority in that area, you know, that would serve you well. Huh? It's good to have good friends in good places. Or, or your best friend in all the earth is just highly connected. They know everyone. They know, uh, I mean, you, you benefit from that relationship, right? If your best friend was a billionaire, you know, had money coming out of their ears. I mean, no, there'd be probably another level of, of rest within you as far as never going without. Because, I mean, hey, your best friend owns like the state. Or something. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, Jesus wants to be your very best friend. And He is everything. He is the wisest. He is the healer. He is the Savior. He is uh, your help. He knows the beginning. And He knows the end. And He, know, he knows what's come. He, he, he's everything. And He really wants to walk closely with you every day of your life. And I tell you, that relationship, if it exists in you, where you are just, bam, tight with the Lord, that's going to benefit your life in all areas. In all areas. And, he, and He's open to it, by the way. <laughs> Not only open, He wants it. He desires to be your best friend. And if there are times of trouble and times of, uh, of trial, well... It helps to have a good friend who is the healer, who is the provider, who is the Savior, who knows everything, and you walk with them every day of your life. I tell you, there's no better way to prepare for the days to come than to walk very, very close to the Lord. I did a series a few years ago called Close. Some of you might want to go back and access that. It'll help you to walk with the Lord every day of your life. And it will help in so many, so many areas. Living close to Him solves, you know, pretty much everything. It really does. I mean, if I could give you one piece of advice, I can only say one thing. I'd say walk with the Lord every day. What do I mean walk with Him? Talk to Him. Listen to Him. Have a relationship with Him every day. Make it more important than anything else you do in life. And I'm confident, if I could say nothing else, that if that relationship was, was well established and very real to you, that the Lord could get to any, anything else to you that you need. 
because he desires to and wants to. Today I want to start a, a new series of messages. This is called the Last Day's Survival Guide. All right. Now, it might seem odd to hear me use a word like survival because I often will contrast that in other teaching about thriving as opposed to surviving, right? How we are not called to just make it, but we are called to live above and not beneath, huh? The head and not the tail. We are called to live in the blessings of God continually. And by the way, heads up, I'm not backing down from that. That's not where we're going to say, oh, we're just going to hold on to the end. And, you know, and just scrape into heaven by the skin of our teeth. And No, we're still supposed to thrive. We're supposed to enjoy life, walk in the blessings and, and favor of God continually. But I'm using this word, again, not to lower the bar of our standard or quality of living, but to emphasize a reality of what the Scriptures teach will take place in these last days. There are some things that are going to happen and are happening around us that we can be prepared for so that we are not sucked into it or overcome by it, but continue to live in victory. Continue to live with the joy of the Lord, the provision of God. Um, there are so many signs around us that, we, that it indicate that we are close to the return of Jesus. And, and, and we must be prepared inside. Inside, We must be prepared to live during times of worldly, uh, worldly chaos, during times of turmoil, so that we are not shaken. Because I tell you, if you'll not be shaken, if you'll not be a waverer, I tell you, your faith in God will produce His, His response every single time. And He'll always provide, He'll always protect, He'll always keep us. You know, the uh, Scriptures talk about uh, how in these last days, the, the, the language is used that, that we are not appointed to wrath. How many would take that for themselves? Say, yeah, that'd be me, that'd be me right there. Not, not, not very many of you. <laughs> By the way, wrath is not a good thing. So you might want to adapt that for your own life. Uh, it's, first, it's First Thessalonians 5, 9 that God did not appoint us to wrath. But here's the thing, in, in the midst of whatever happens in our world, the good news is that God, uh, He hasn't appointed us to that, and He is able to protect us, to provide for us, and to keep us. Hmm. Say it with me, say, I will be protected, be provided for. I will be kept by the Lord. Amen. Jesus talked about the last days and said many things. And one of the things he said was that false Christs and false prophets would arise. And they show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And it's interesting language. He didn't say it would be possible, but he's putting a strong emphasis. There's going to be a lot of deception. A lot of people claiming uh, things that are not true. And he told his disciples, this is Mark chapter 13, he said, but take heed, because I've told you these things ahead of time. Why, why, why does he tell us things ahead of time? 
So we're not moved by it. We're not shaken by it. We're not surprised by it. It's like, well, I knew this was, would happen. Well, this is not a fun situation, or I don't really like it. But I knew it was coming, so it's, you know. How many, could, could have, how many of you could have handled some situations in your life better, even if you, if you couldn't have changed them, but if you'd have known they're coming? I mean, it just really makes a difference. And it's one of the reasons the Bible gives us a lot of foresight, uh, revelation of things to come, so that we are ready, so that we're not surprised, so that we're not shaken, we're not caught off guard. And then by His Spirit, of course, who shows us things to come, He continually gives us that advantage in life. You know you have it. You have that advantage today. You have the greater one living on the inside of you. He is the Holy Spirit who is the revealer of truth. Jesus said he, when he comes, he will show you things to come. All right, so that's you. You don't need a prophet in your life. You need the Holy Spirit. And he's talking to you. And he'll reveal to you things concerning your life. Why? So you can make right choices. Yeah. Isn't that a great advantage? You know, some of, some of the prosperity and success that God promises his church and his body comes that way. It comes as a result of we make choices, we make decisions based on heavenly insight as to the future. Yeah. And so let's pay attention. What do you say? Walk with the Lord. Let Him be your best friend. Uh, let's look here now at 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And let's read verse 3. Paul writes to that church, and of course it applies to us today especially. He said, let no one deceive you. Let, let, let who? Let no one. You know there are people out there that want to deceive you. Some of them are deceived themselves. But he said, watch out. Don't let people deceive you. That shows me I have a part to play in that. If I'm deceived, th that's on me. <laughs> we'll talk about some of those things later. But uh, G we were warned not Jesus here, but Paul, by the Spirit, said, do not let people deceive you. There is going to be, and there is, deception that is going out, trying to manipulate people's minds into believing something wrong. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, what do you mean that day? That's the day when we get to meet the Lord in the air. That day will not come unless... The falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. Which I, I think that's talking about the Antichrist there. But that day when we meet the Lord in the air is not going to come except what comes first? Notice, a falling away. Does that sound like good news? No, that's not good news. But how many know... Uh, Inside into the future sometimes will tell you the way things are and the way they're going to be, whether they have a smile on them or not. Huh? Why? So that we can keep our smile. So that we're not impacted by it. But this phrase, falling away, it comes from uh, a Greek word where we get the English word apostasy. Okay? It, 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 it literally, it means a defection or a revolt. Okay? Uh, it's obviously talking about people falling away from the faith. They're turning their back on the Lord. They're revolting. They're, they're going a different direction. And this is all talked about in connection, in context, with things that precede 
the coming of the Lord. Everybody with me now? All right. Let me say this. Sometimes when discussing end time events and the the events that, that Jesus and others said would take place in the last days, I've seen individuals dismiss most of this for, for this reason. Uh, and let me take a side journey from there for a moment and I'll come back. The last days as described in Scripture has been around for a long time. They began at, in, in, at Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God was poured out. And remember, Peter got up and he quoted from Joel the prophet and said, these are the things that will happen in the last days. Right? So the last days is a period that's been here for a couple thousand years. But having said that, we don't dismiss the last days description um, of events that are spoken of in Scripture saying, well, it's always been that way. And this is what I meant to, uh, I meant to say earlier. Um, people have dismissed what Jesus said, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be famine, there'll be uh, uh, pestilence, there'll be, there'll be those type of events that precede His return. Okay, And someone will say, well, there's always been earthquakes. There's always been famine. There's always been disease. There's always been these things. So why would we take that to say that, that we are any closer to the end of, uh, uh, of our time, end of the church age, um, than we were before? Here's, my, here, here's the way I look at that. Why would Jesus give us these signs to look at to make us aware of His soon return if they could not be identified by us as something out of the norm? If it's just, oh, well, that always happens, then Jesus spoke out of place here. Because that's not a sign of anything. But they must be happening on an increased level in a manner in which those who are paying attention will go, oh, wow, this means something. This is something we're supposed to pay attention to. We are close to. We are right upon the days of the Lord's return. Everybody with me in this? Okay. Yes, the last days have been going on for a while, but at the end of the last days, these things ramp up, don't they? When we get close to the second coming of the Lord, they ramp up and to the degree, to the point that believers filled with the Spirit can identify them and say, oh yeah, yeah, there's one, yep, there's another sign, yep, there's another indication right there. <laughs> he is right at the door. Lift your head up. Your redemption draws nigh. And we're supposed to be that discerning and that aware and that awake so that, what, we can be prepared. Because one of these things, now watch, is ha- that's happening is this revolt. May have already started. Because here, here again, someone could say, well, people have always backslid, backslidden and turned away. And, and, and yeah, that has happened. But I guess by this revelation... It's going to happen and is happening on such a level, on such a magnitude, where it would be a sign. It would be, a, it would be an indication that the Lord's return is right around the corner. Okay? And so here's, here's where, where we're at today. Do you think it could be, if there is this big revolt, there's this falling away, could it be someone you know? Could it be that someone you know today that's walking with the Lord 
And they're going to turn their back on him in the midst of whatever happens in this world. What's the likelihood of that? Unfortunately, it's very real. Yeah. What I want to, what I want to get to is this. I want to make sure I'm not in that number. I want to make sure you're not in that group. You're not in that crowd that freaks out, that, that has a heart full of fear, heart fail them for fear. I want to make sure that you're not amongst those who would say, God has abandoned us, or where is it, or what's happening, what's going on in this world, and you and I, we stay strong in these last days. You think that would be a value? think that would be important for us to see these things this way? Uh, praise God. Go with me over to the book of Second Peter. Second Peter. We are preparing our hearts. Say, for what? For a lot of things, but for anything. And I tell you, one of the best ways to prepare, like I said, is just walk close with the Lord. There's not time to goof around. I mean, that would have been true if I said that a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago. or Not that I would have said it, but, you know, it's still a true statement. These scriptures are true all, all through time. And so they're always valid. But what we see is so much more as you see the day approaching. So much more. Some things you're supposed to increase. Like the Bible, you know, what it says about gathering together in Hebrews chapter 10, that as you see the day approaching, you should get together more frequently, not less. By the way, less is the way our society goes. By the way, less is how uh, those who measure church attendance across the, the, you know, in a big picture way, that's what they say is exactly what's happening. People gather together less frequently now. They're busy they got things going on, and so they do it less. And that's exactly the opposite, opposite of what the Bible says to do. How can we think we're going to do the opposite and yet be ready? And yet walk close with the Lord? I wonder if some of that contributes to a falling away. Something to consider. You know, in, in 1 Timothy 3.1, Paul Paul wrote to Timothy and said, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous times. That doesn't sound good, does it? Now, is he trying to lower his faith and his expectation for good things? Absolutely not. Promises of God are still, still consistent. Jesus came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. But he said, in the end, in the world, yeah, there's going to be some perilous times. You're, the, you're there in Second Peter chapter 3. Look there with me in verse 3. 2 Peter 3.3, 3, knowing this, first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. Walking according to their own lusts. What, what kind of people? Scoffers. To scoff, mean, it means to treat with derision. It means to mock. To mock. So what's happening as we get to the last days? I mean, we've, we're in the last days. The closer we get to the end, more and more people are going to do what? Scoff or mock. Who are they going to mock? You and me. Yeah, they've been around for a long time, but it increases in our time. So why are you telling us this? So we're not surprised. 
We're not caught off guard. We're not moved by it. We're not shaken by it. It's like, yeah, I mean, I don't like it. I'd rather they didn't. But it's not like we didn't see it coming. I mean, can't we have that attitude towards a lot of things? No matter what happens. Say, well, I don't like it. It's not the way, you know, God doesn't like it. It's not His will. He's not sending this. But it's not like we didn't know it was coming. I tell you what, I don't know about you, but that gives me a, a, a lot of, of surety and security right there. Well, I knew that was coming. I don't like it. But I was told ahead of time that people would mock me. That people would mock you. I don't like to be mocked. Do you? You ready for it? I think we might ought to think about it this way. If, it's, if it doesn't happen... What are we talking about? How are we living? Because we're supposed to be. You know, when G- how many know Jesus was mocked? Uh, how many know the, the, the body of Christ on the day of Pentecost was mocked? I mean, one of the greatest events. Upper room, 120, fire, wind, tongues, lots of good stuff. They come out on the street, and what happened? They were mocked. They said, these are a bunch of drunks. So they're, they're full of the Spirit of God. I mean, powerful, amazing, and they were mocked for it. But how many know when you're full of the Spirit of God, you don't care that much? Uh, you're full of the Spirit of God, the glory of God's on Stephen as they're throwing rocks at his head, and he says, forgive him. I see Jesus standing there. It's like, I see Jesus standing there. I don't care about you and your mockery. You know, they're full of the Spirit, and they're wobbling around prophesying and preaching and, and, and all, all this stuff going on, and people are mocking them, saying, you guys are a bunch of drunks. It's like, whatever, yeah, huh? What's the key there? Stay full. What if you're not full of the Spirit and people mock you? You feel it more. It hurts more. You're more sensitive to what they say and less sensitive to what God says. And that's why we've got to stay full. You know, Paul was mocked for just for preaching the resurrection. They mocked him. He preached the resurrection of Jesus, and they derided him. So I'm determined this. I'm, a, I'm determined to say things worthy of mocking by those who don't know God. <laughs> We're going to talk about the resurrection. We're going to, you know, people in our day, uh, like us, get mocked for talking about healing. You know, we've getting, been, had, had attacks of, you know, people writing and calling and different things because we believe in healing. And we lay hands on, on the sick. But you know what? I mean, I don't like it, but I knew it was coming. I'm going, you know, when I hear the stories of people getting healed of cancer and, and all this kind of stuff, it's like, eh, that's worth it. That's worth it to me. Amen. Look down, to, down with me a little bit. Uh, now, let's see. Where were you at? What verse? Go, go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4. Left turn. Pass Hebrews. Put on the brakes. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And, and let's read here verse 1. 4 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. Here we go again, right? Same message, same word. What's going to happen in the latter times? Some are going to depart. Don't let that be you. Are you listening to me? 
I care enough to tell you, get in your face and say, don't let that be you. And you can say it back to me because there are preachers that backslide. Huh? There are preachers that are in the Word day and night as far as preparing and, and preaching and doing ministry. And personally, they backslide. So I'm not exempt up, uh, up here from, from these things. We've got to walk with the Lord. In the last days, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Why would they do that? Well, it says giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Some translations say seducing spirits. Do you know there are, there are we're, we're aware of the spirit realm, of course, in here. God's a spirit. We're a spirit. Just We're just in a physical body. There are angels. There are demons. Some spirits, some demonic spirits, their express assignment is to deceive. They're on a their their main focus is is to seduce people. They're working, trying to strategize, to plant thoughts and to tempt and do things so that people, the people in the world, that they'll never come to the Lord, but that the people of God would be deceived and go the wrong direction. So let's not be ignorant of their devices. Let's not be ignorant uh, of how they operate. You know, Ephesians 6 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but what? Principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, there's a whole unseen realm that is out there battling for your life. Now, good news. Don't be intimidated by that because Satan's been stripped of his power. You've been authorized and deputized. <laughs> You've been given authority in the name of Jesus to resist the devil. Okay, but let's not go into ignorance mode that we don't know things are there. Let's not, be, let's not bury our head in the sand and say, well, hey, I could never be deceived. That thought might reveal something. Because the potential is there. And we'll get into some of that and, and talk more about it later. But this is what happens in the last days. Why will some depart from the faith? Because they're deceived. Because a spirit seduced them and tricked them and messed with their mind. They thought it was their own thoughts. They thought they were more educated. They thought they'd figure it out a better way. But no, it was a little imp messing with their thoughts the whole time. So we don't fall for that. He said, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of, of what? Do you know demons have doctrines? Huh. Yeah. And what's really scary is then when they get into people, doctrines of demons come out in churches. Eee. Huh? What do we got to do? We've got to know that that's a possibility. We've got to know that that's happening and increasing in the last days. So we do not fall prey to what's going on. He gives some examples here. Verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy. bunch of hypocrites, they'll lie. Uh, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You know why some people go astray? Why they depart from the faith? is because they, they, they don't listen to the voice of the Spirit. They're, they don't listen again and again and again. And after a while, they have a big callus on their heart. To where you could stab it with a knife, so to speak. You know, like you would a callus on your hand, and it doesn't even hurt. They, they become seared. And they're not, they're not aware of what's going on anymore. Everything's blurry to them. The voice of God seems distant to them. The things of God don't seem real to them anymore. Everybody with me today? 
If, they don't, if the things of the Spirit of God don't seem real to you, you can make your way back. You can. But if you stay on that path, I don't know. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good because you won't hear from God. You won't know when to turn right instead of left. You won't know when to stay home instead of go. You won't know when to do one thing with your money and not another thing with your money. Hmm. And he knows everything and is willing to share it with you. But you've got to stay tender on the inside. And so they'll have a, a, a conscience that's seared. He goes on to talk about forbidding to marry. I mean, no, that, that's kind of a big deal today. A lot of people messing with marriage. You know, hmm. This is all in connection with last days, isn't it? It's all in connection with people backsliding, isn't it? Departing from the faith. Hmm, this marriage stuff. Don't let, your, don't let your stance on that back away from God's word because the culture is saying something different. Jesus hasn't changed. He's the same as when he talked about this issue when he was on the earth, and he did. Okay? We don't back down. We don't change because of the culture is changing. God is true. Let every man be a liar. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be what? Received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it was received with thanksgiving. For it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. That's why we pray for our food, don't we? Because it's set apart when, you th- when you're thankful for it. But what, what's, what happens in the last days? He said people are going to get back into the, into the whole denying that people can eat certain kind of meat. And food, and you know, and under the law, they were not not allowed to eat certain types of of meat, and you know, and certain types of fish, and certain types of pork, and or all pork, I guess, and uh, and all that kind of stuff. He said, in the last day, people are going to make that a requirement on you again. Whenever you see that coming, run. You can eat whatever you want. It's not a commandment from the Lord to say you can or can't eat something for some other reason. Don't make it gospel for someone else. When someone starts preaching, you, can, you can't eat this, and you can't eat this. Eh, signs of the times. Lift up your head and say, huh, I hear that. The Lord's coming back soon. <laughs> I remember uh, my grandpa, uh, that's my mother I'm pointing out on the front row. It's her dad. She thought I was going to expose her for something. <laughs> uh, my grandpa used to say, uh, when people would come around to his door, yeah, they lived in Southern California. Uh, you know, religious people come around to the door and knock, hand you magazines and stuff. Uh, I remember him saying, he said, oh, I was expecting you. They'd say, you were? Yeah, the Bible says that false prophets will come in the last days. <laughs> it's not like we're surprised. Why would we be surprised at that? We're told. You say, Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. Amen. Go down to the 15th verse. 1 Timothy 15, uh, I mean, excuse me, 4, 15. Same context here. Uh, Paul told Timothy here, he said, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That your progress may be evident to all. Notice his word. He wrote him a letter. Gave him a lot of instruction. A lot of good things. He told Timothy, here's what you need to do with this. You need to meditate on it. How many know that's not a passing sermon in one ear, out the other, go on with life? 
meditate. You keep it before you. You speak it. You ponder it. You consider it again and again. He said, Timothy, you've got to meditate on this stuff. You've got to keep it before your eyes. Nowadays, sometimes all we meditate on is news, sports, weather. We meditate on work and natural, earthly activities. We meditate on entertainment. We constantly talk about and think about all that stuff. And it's not all evil in and of itself. But I tell you, if it overrides your meditation on what thus saith the Lord, you won't be ready. You won't be prepared for the days in which we live. We've got to meditate on what the Lord has said. On His Word, His promise, His plan. He said, meditate on it. What is the other thing He said? Give yourself entirely to them. To those words. Give yourself to it. That's talking about personal devotion. It is a commitment that whatever, whatever thus saith the Lord... I commit myself to that. I devote my life to His words and His wisdom and His plan. I think about it night and day. And I give myself to it. What, would be, what happens as a result of doing that? Your progress becomes evident to everyone. What's the, what's the goal? Why would He tell him that? He wanted him to make progress. He wanted him to move forward, to become more spiritually minded. He wanted him to be successful in what God called him to do. He wanted him to thrive in this life. And so he gave him the formula. He gave him the key. If you'll do these things, he said, you'll make progress and everyone will know it. I mean, it can be kind of concerning a little bit, don't you think? If, if, if we uh, self-analyze and we look in the mirror and say, am I making progress? And does anyone else recognize that I'm making progress? Because if I don't see it in me, and, and if others don't see it, what am I thinking about? And what am I devoted to? Because they're directly connected to how far I go. Verse 16, take heed to the people around you and the doctrine. Is that what he said? Did I read that right? He said, take heed to, what's that word? Yourself. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Timothy's a pastor. What would be a temptation for a pastor? Just prepare good sermons. Prepare good messages. But how many know he didn't just say, take heed to what you're preaching, Timothy. That's important. But he said, take heed to yourself and the doctrine. How are you doing, Timothy? Let me ask you, how are you doing? What's going on inside of here? Some of you need to have this discussion with those around you at your life groups, in your family. What's going on on the inside? Where, where do you stand? Maybe you have a friend that you love them enough to ask them direct questions like that in a loving, kind way. But how's it going? You know, how's your walk with the Lord? Are you hearing from Him? Are you hearing His voice? Are you enjoying? What's going on? Why would we do that? Because if we take heed to ourselves and to the doctrine, not doctrines of demons, but the Word of the Lord, and if we'll continue in them, He said, for, in doing, in, for doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. What's, what's the deal? How can I save, how can, how can I, quote, save you 
if I don't first save me. Paul's not telling Timothy to be selfish, to be self-centered and self-focused. But he's explaining a reality that if you don't, quote, save yourself, you're of no good to anybody else. But when you take heed so that yourself is in the right place, meditating on God's Word, fully devoted unto His plan, when you are in the right place, you will then automatically be of benefit to others. You will have, quote, saved yourself. And again, we're not talking about being born again by self-effort. You all understand that. Uh, you will save yourself and everyone who hears you. So this is why this is so important in these last days, in these times in which we live. We've got to keep our eyes open. We've got to watch. Because the Bible tells us we have our heads up. There's some things going on. There's some perilous times. There are some people that will try to deceive us. There are spirits out there working full time to pull people away. And some of them are going to follow. But I will not fear. I will not be afraid. I will not be moved by this. I'll not be surprised or caught off guard because the Lord has given us forewarning. He has shown us ahead of time what would happen and how we can overcome, how we can live with Him every day and have victory and live above and not beneath. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you this. I didn't realize I've been preaching at you so long. Uh, Man, i got a lot to say, and, and, and we'll be back. Let me give you this last verse, but in Jude, Jude uh, verses 20 and 21, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. What should I do? Sometimes we talk about prayer, and of course, a lot of times our prayers are directed for other people, and they are, and they ought to be. I pray for you. Hopefully, some of you once in a while pray for me. I appreciate that. I pray for people. But you know, some of my praying in the Holy Ghost, you know what it's for? Not, not, not like I'm just praying, me, 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 me. But when I do, what do I do? I build myself up. Are you built up? Are you strong? Hmm. You may be strong mentally. You may be strong physically. But are you strong in the Spirit? Are you strong in your relationship with God? How, what do I need to do? I need to... Pray in the Holy Ghost. Build myself up. Verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What am I supposed to do? Keep myself in the love of God. In other words, I could get out of the love of God. It doesn't mean He stops loving me, but I could get out of the place of that love. What do I need to do? Keep myself in it. Oh, it's a good place to be. Loved, built up, fully devoted, mind filled with God's thoughts. I tell you what, that's a person who's prepared for whatever. Whatever may come their way. And so we can avoid being a casualty in the last days. It is the most glorious time to be alive. What a privilege it is to be on earth at such a time as this. When God's Spirit is moving across the land and He is moving through our lives and by our hands and He will demonstrate and show Himself strong like you've never seen before. And so we stay strong when we go in the name of the Lord. Amen. And we're going to see great things. Listen, I, I want to get into some stuff. Uh, uh, let, me, let me just give you a heads up. I want to talk a little bit about standing when other people fall. I want to talk about avoiding deception. I'm going to talk about being led by the Spirit. Uh, guarding your heart, and some of these principles that will help us in these last days to remain and increase. 
I mean, uh, not just to, uh, I call it last day survival guide, but I tell you, to live alive and to be and to thrive in these last days. Amen. Amen. I don't want to call it, you know, last day sort of thrival guide because I don't think that's a word, but that's, that's, that's really what I mean by it. Amen. Amen. Father, for these today, I pray for everyone, their hearts, their lives. I thank you for what you're doing in them now. Oh, the grace of God is sufficient for us. You've provided our every need, our every want and desire. You're, you're an all-sufficient God. Able, capable, willing. And Lord, you're at work in our midst today. Oh, we're so glad. Thank you. Thank you for eyes being restored today. I thank you for bodies being healed and made well. Thank you, Lord. You've been having trouble. I don't know if it's with your eyes or just in your head behind your eyes, uh, pain sort of issue. Uh, but if that's you, lay your hands on yourself now as we pray. And just, just let, let the life and power of God go right through your hands. The Holy Spirit's all around here, moving in our midst. And, and so, Father, I thank you. I command all those pains and problems to leave the eyes and, and that area behind the eyes. Eyes command you to see. Be made well, be made whole on the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Lord, we're glad. Hallelujah. We rejoice and we are glad for what you do in our lives today. And Father, as we're all preparing for, for, for today and tomorrow and whatever the future holds, some of which we've been made aware, but I thank you, we're at peace. Lord, let there be peace. Peace that floods the hearts and minds of every person. Because you've got our back. You're leading us and guiding us. And we'll avoid all of the enemy's attacks. Thank you for grace. For fruit that abounds and remains. Thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Precious Lord Jesus. We serve you forever. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your work in our hearts today. Hallelujah. We give you all the glory, all the praise. Thank you. Heaven is even standing at attention today, watching, watching to see what people will do in their response to you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name.